We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers got healthy right as they're playing some of the worst basketball of the season. Lakers lose to the Chicago Bulls 124 to 108, I believe it was. Their fourth loss in five games. Mike, you're on the road with the team. A lot of the discussion in the aftermath is that the team's tired. The team's fatigued and been on the road a lot. I have some thoughts on that in which Gabe Vincent, I thought, had a great quote yesterday about that. But uh, what are your thoughts about last night's game, about the overall trip, about where the team is at? Because I'd, I'd like to have more of a big picture discussion about where we're at. Well, since you referenced it, the Vincent quote... I believe in short, and I, I was standing right there, and you'll and since you saw the clip, you'll probably know it better than me, but was basically and you know, yeah, that's what's great about the NBA. Like it's yep. you know, it's it's we gotta play. You get a chance to play the next day. And that to me is the right attitude. So I I was at the last pod that I was on, uh, I had mentioned this the general fatigue that was around the team, and understandably so, and the schedule's been insane. This has been my probably this has probably been the trickiest month since I started in 2008, at least that I can remember. Um, and the in-season tournament in the four days in Vegas is the biggest reason for that, because we've had plenty of months where there was a lot of travel. It always seems to happen in December. But I have now kind of wanting to I'm now wanting to move past that as a uh, not not as an excuse because it's real. Um, but I think that it's revealed within the course of that fatigue and whatever it is, it's revealed some some other problems mm -hmm. um, and issues that were masked that were kind of masked over in the in-season tournament push when I thought, you know, very appropriately, LeBron and AD saw a prize and were able to elevate to levels that they have reached as a pairing and and Austin too and, and kind of bring the group through that. Uh, and they benefited from the schedule in, in certain ways. They benefited from the opponents in certain ways, and especially having opponents like New Orleans and Indiana that I don't think knew how uh, to ramp up to that level. And then it was kind of back to to this regular season grind, and you didn't have that same push um, from LeBron and AD as you did in the end season tournament. 
Although I'd say that AD has been, you know, ridiculous. Basically, every time he's been playing, he was averaging 36, like 15 on 65% shooting the last four before the Chicago game. Uh, but so here's here's the point now. With everybody available except for Jalen Hutchifino, the rotation is now in flux and in question. And like if I asked you guys, I think I said this in the text right, who are the Lakers' fourth and fifth best players right now? You know, uh, who who is what is the best starting lineup for sure? What is the best closing lineup for sure? What is the best bench lineup? There are so many questions um, that are unclear, uh, even if you know we could come up with and, and certainly the coaches can come up with multiple answers on that front. And I think that that uncertainty is playing right into the fatigue, um, which in LeBron sort of summarized this, Pete, as you said, I think on the last pod, you'd like to listen to LeBron, um, as do I, right? <laughs> who, mm-hmm. who can explain things. And there, there are a lot of questions that have to be answered there. And fortunately, uh, Darius is going to answer all of them uh, right now. Uh, and, uh, and we don't have to worry from now on. Go ahead, Darius. <laughs> oh, man, I wish I had answers right now. <laughs> um, I thought LeBron's comment... I don't know who asked him, but it was the question about like, um, is it just mental and physical fatigue or is it more than that? And LeBron rattled off like five different types of fatigues, um, including the fatigue that comes from losing. And I think that that's important too. The beauty of the in-season tournament to me wasn't just the ramping up. It was how momentum builds on itself and you gain confidence and how that confidence then triggers your ability to go out there and play better and better even as the stakes go up. And Pete, to me, it's not a coincidence that as the stakes have dissipated, and it's just the grind of the regular season, the combination of that regular season grind, which LeBron mentioned as well, with all of the taxing nature of being on the road, which Mike just mentioned, but Darvin Ham mentioned as well, and the uncertainty of the injuries and guys who are even playing, not necessarily being 100% anyway, like Rui's still wearing a mask. We talked about, um, Coach mentioned... Um, Vando has an active issue with his foot and Vando's talked about this as well, that he is not feeling like himself and you have all of this combining together and then the team's losing these games. It's like in the same way that the momentum carried them up, this same sort of reverse trajectory is spiraling them down. I'm looking for resolve from this team. And I'm not only looking for it mentally and physically from the standpoint of the players on the court, but I'm looking for it from the coaches in terms of game plan and strategy and what are they going to do to manifest the turnaround that needs to happen? Because just saying we're going to be better isn't going to make it so. And that's not a shot at Darwin. It's not a shot at anyone. It's just you have to be an active participant in your own turnaround. And if you're not, you're not going to turn around at all. And that that's a big part of it. I think that there's a level of admiration that people on the team and just around the Lakers have for LeBron that I think factors in uh, into this in that he's, you know, when you're normally when players are playing with teammates, they're not somebody whose poster they had on their wall when they were a kid. And so part of the dynamic that I think that feeds into is take the in-season tournament and the energy that LeBron had for that, right? And I'm talking like pregame, you were around this, Mike. It's like, you know, he's going like right up to our social media manager's camera and goofing around and then like jumping and, you know, dunking. And there's this like, I love to play basketball 
And it's like this great leader is rallying the troops in the in a way that the Cam Reddishes and the Jackson Hayes and the Christian Woods and all the like so much of the team are like, fuck yeah, let's go, you know? And it just animates the team in a way that everybody picks up in that way. But a game in Chicago has to be a one of 82 type of energy, right? Like LeBron can't do that every night, but there's an inherent problem in LeBron. And I put AD to the side of this. AD brings it in a way that he's, he's not who I'm talking about in this context, but when LeBron has to play at one out of uh, out of eighty two type of energy, Mike, I feel like there are a lot of players on this team that are like, oh, okay, that's what we're doing tonight. We're all giving that one out of eighty two type of energy. When in reality, they're the guys that need to carry LeBron in these yeah. type of games, and LeBron's going to find a way to get his twenty five and ten and nine. Like he's just unbelievably un- unbelievably productive. But you see where I'm going with that, right, Mike? Is that guys follow that when in in a lot of ways LeBron needs them to be able to be consistent with that. Hundred percent. And and Pito. What's tricky is that that is a very uh, complicated mental framework to go through a season uh, when when you have clearly the leader and clearly the best uh, the best pl- one of the best players in history. But I would say on this team, I think AD has kind of emerged as the best all around player. But then on on any given night, LeBron taps back into that. But on the nights that are more of the one of the eighty two. What is the formula then for the team to play exactly. a certain way when LeBron is not you know, able to just do what he did in the in-season tournament semifinal and the in-season tournament final? And that is a – to me, this ties into what Darius was just talking about where – and what we've been talking about all season is that there is a lack of continuity um, amongst a team that had some good continuity going back to last year. They have not played the lineup that played and that sort of what that started and won uh, last season. And understandably so, because Vanderbilt not healthy um, and, you know, Torian Prince comes in. Then Cam Reddish has a pretty good stint. Um, they make the Austin switch to the bench and, you know, Russell's play has has dropped, um, you know, of mm-hmm. late relative to where it was on both ends of the court. It, there's just so many things hitting at that potential for continuity Last night, the bigs didn't play uh, in the second unit for the first time with Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes. And I don't know how long that's going to stick. So it's all of the way, I think, to answer my own question, to try and get to a place where uh, you can you can have the team performing at a, at a base level and not counting on LeBron uh, to just do it himself and lead the way and everybody else follow. That's where the continuity has to has to come back and where players that are first just start, starting lineup. OK, like this is what needs to happen in this first quarter. This player has to be this level of aggressive, aggressive. And these are the pet plays. And like, so that's that's a part of it. And then off the bench, the same thing has to occur. And it's not, you know, it's not right now. And the way that the league has evolved to the point where even the bad teams of which San Antonio is certainly one. Uh, have enough talent, you know, to be to beat you on any one of these nights when you don't have your ducks all lined up in a row. So all of these things are hitting at once. Uh, I don't think it's it's DEFCON 5 and I, I don't think that they're that this team is lost. I don't think that they don't have the talent, um, you know, at some point. 
the position that we've been talking about not being there um, with that we talked about in the offseason with sort of like the backup big thing. That's mm-hmm. that's one element of it. But as Anthony Davis said, post game right now, this is what they have. There's the cavalry isn't coming and they they have to better optimize and maximize not just the, the groupings that are playing out there, but some of the players have to have to figure out this uh, equation that we've been discussing and somebody's got to take it on themselves. Um, and, and that's, that's the part where I yep. think there are a couple guys that are good candidates to do so, but the way that the groupings have been out, have been put together, it's, it's, it hasn't been super conducive to doing that in this last week. Let's go to break here. Cause when we come back, I want to hit on a couple of the points that you had there, Mike, cause that was all good stuff. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Mike, I think that there's two parts of this. And correct me if I'm wrong, both of you just jump in here whenever you want. Is A, I agree that LeBron sets the tone. I do not think, though, that the players have to act as though he's the Pied Piper and wherever he goes, they have to follow. Amen. Amen. Is like there's a level of personal pride and personal responsibility that the other players have to have in their play. We're seeing it from AD, for example. We're seeing it from Austin Reeves. We're seeing it in certain shifts from players like Torian Prince and on and on and on. That said, there are guys who have backslid in this regard. And I'm looking at D'Lo. I'm looking at Cam Reddish. I'm looking at Rui. The bigs, like Wood is not a high motor player, and he's been out of the rotation for long enough now where his minutes have like not been consistent at all. So I'm sort of putting him to the side a little bit here. When he has played, I have not been, um, I've been a bit disappointed in the level of effort that he's brought, but I'm putting him to the side. Hayes, I think, has played with appropriate physical motor, but his mental the mental side mm-hmm. of his game, he has not been locked in enough and he's c- been committing the types of fouls and like making the types of like passing mistake reads and, and things just where it's just like- and almost every, every aspect, yeah. And it's 
to me, it, that's the reason why he's found himself out of the rotation in the competition for minutes as the wings have sort of overtook him, right? And so I believe that it's like, yes, LeBron is going to set a certain tone. LeBron came out in the Bulls game on fire. On fire, yeah. If there was a game where the players should have looked and been like, yep. oh, it's like this tonight? Yep. Like, I'm going to bring it. Instead, it felt to me like LeBron came out with purpose to say, come with me, guys. Several of the guys did not. LeBron couldn't dunk the ball every time down the court the way that he was in the first couple of minutes or like bomb away threes and play with all of this effort. And not enough guys were there to pick him up. Pete. Mm-hmm. And so there's like a personal responsibility aspect to this that like I yep. don't want to fully ignore. The part though that Mike started to get to in regards to like, okay, well, what are we doing to actively put players in positions to succeed or like where yep. players feel like those tracks are greased for me appropriately to sort of use that momentum? Yep. And carry forward, I think that it's like a bit of a chicken in the egg sort of thing there as well. And so, Pete, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that aspect of things, too. Yeah, that particular element, there's a a practical thing that just happened in terms of figuring that out is that Gabe Vincent is back. And so it's we had that question the other day of like, okay, how does he fit in? Where does he get minutes? And when you ask me that, Mike, one of the first places I went to is I think we're going to see Rui at the five. And the reason for that is that if you were to write out just a list of who is our best player, our second best player down the line. It's pretty reasonable that the 10 players that played last night in the main rotation would be the 10 that you come up with. But where that lands you is in a place where Anthony Davis is the only big that plays at all. And so that that requires it so when you so when you put that up against this idea that we've been talking about earlier in the season and in the IST especially when the team's played its its best it's been this big oppressive with size and a lot of deflections a lot of block shots and steals and but when you think about the activity that that requires you either have to be if you're going to be smaller than the other team you either have to be faster than them which is hard when you're when you're tired or you have to be more skilled than them, which was another thing that really stood out from last night's game. I finished my my rewatch right before uh, we started this. It, it's like the level, the difference in the level of jump shooting in that game with the Bulls, who's not like some great jump shooting team, it was just unbelievable. And so there's these things feed into each other, but it's like if we're going to be this size, and I totally get how you end up in that space, and I think that there's been a prior prioritization of skill and foot speed on the perimeter in terms of how the lineups are put together that I under I think I understand in theory, but like our small players aren't good enough at that to be better than other teams' small players. Does that make sense? Like if you were to match up our skill perimeter players on and and put them up against other teams, like the level of jump shooting is it's okay, but we're not going to win games as a result of that. So you need to have that to some degree. But I just think that the natural place that listing the 10 best players and being like, okay, these are going to be my my guys that play lands you in a space that's the complete opposite of what the team has shown itself to be best at. And I think these next three games are really going to test that theory. 
I want to discuss a, a, another just general theory I've been thinking about with LeBron and AD and, and the best teammates to put around him. And I think this is this is one issue that should be more clear than it seems. And we've been kind of it's fluctuated some based on what the roster is. But like basically, the way the teams are going to play against LeBron and AD, no matter who the who their teammates are, uh, they're going to pack the paint. And so there's part of this theory that's like, well, then if you put spacing around them, you know, then then they're going to come out. And it's like, well, no, they're not. They're they're ultimately it's still going to be centered around around LeBron and AD. And what AD has said over and over, even more so than LeBron, like we have to be defensively focused, get stops and then get out and run and get easy baskets. Uh, this is what this is the way. This is how we've won in the past. Before teams can set up and double team me, um, or can shade like LeBron into certain areas, and like and the guy when you have guys, of course, the ideal part of this right is to have the three and D, like the guys that can do both, and the the or the wings that can shoot enough on the other end to punish those defenses when they pack the paint. Some this gets back into my whole thing about thirty three versus thirty eight percent, whatever, whatever. Uh, Pete, jump in if you want. I'm sorry, just like Dilo had two points, right? Like the actual spacing has to be yeah. there. That like we're not actually getting the the productivity from like Cam had 14 shots because they were surrendering. Like I, I think yes. acting like we have the spacing around that right now. That's not what the actual basketball has shown this year. It's it's pretty yeah. much every game where we get outshot from three point range, right? So it's not like it's it's only theory if like if the players don't actually make the shots you know what i'm saying and you have one guy out there that the defenses are going to cheat off of you still don't actually have the spacing around them well and that right, i agree i agree and that and that's part of the point also that it just the the idea of like of what the spacing is but you what you're you're depending that then on hitting x percent of shots as opposed to being the one that's initiating the flow of the game by getting those stops by playing aggressively sure. by by pressuring three-point shooters but Darius did a whole thing today as I as I do an aside of my own point here about what opponents have been shooting in this last week and change uh from three unreal. and it's insane it's it's unreal but it's also like well yeah because there there is Our not there's not suck. been a lot of pressure yeah and and yeah. so like, what part of that is kind of like personnel versus fatigue but it just gets back this this whole like this whole way it's just that it, there there seems to be a way that's been clear to have success around LeBron and AD right. more often than not and that's not the way um that the team has been playing since the in-season tournament and in related news you can co cover it with fatigue if you want but they have been losing uh and have not even really looked particularly good uh in terms of like being down by double digits early in almost each, oh, yeah. in, uh, almost every game, and then having to claw out. Uh, so that's there. There's a lot of dissonance there between what it seems like would work and what's actually being put out out there. Yeah, and so you both are actually saying the same thing. It's just I was just laughing about that of, in my mind, of like the same coin, right? It's it's yeah. it's like Mike's basically saying the shooters aren't making shots. Mm -hmm. So why don't you play the style that yes. is actually going to get you? or that has proven to be productive with this group of guys. And Pete is out here saying, if you're going to play this style, these guys have to they hit the hit shots. shots. Yes. Right? And, and so, Thank you, like, look, neither of those are the wrong approach. I prefer the proactive approach. I prefer to say, we're good at these things. Exactly. It's not theory. Yes. Right? It's, it is not theory. And this goes back to this idea that I brought up a while ago, which is like the reliability rankings. 
And so I'd love to do like, this isn't a full podcast idea, but it's like a weekly, we could do it like bi-weekly or even monthly, right? Those will be the pods I missed, you know how I feel about rankings. Like, but I, but I understand are, the spirit of it. Yes. Like what are the, but what are the reliability yeah. rankings for yeah. the current players at this specific moment in time? Right. Yeah. And like AD is up there pretty high. Austin Reeves is up there pretty high. And over the past month, D'Angelo Russell's probably gone from like third on that list or fourth on that list to like eighth or ninth on that list. And that's a problem. It speaks to the well, point that here, you that you guys are exactly making right now. Let me let me pause you on that specific point though. And this is like this is the whole thesis behind my all this stuff with shooting. Is that I don't care if you if you have the the, the best shooters in theory in like the the idea of this, you cannot control the shots going in or not. You just can't control it. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Yes, guys that have a higher percentage of chance of making the threes are they're going to go in a little bit more often. But that is not what we've been seeing. Like they, you can control defense and the effort and the energy and the style mm-hmm. yes. and the system there. And then how many like you can't just I hate the make or miss league thing uh, because like ultimately you are just you're just basically conceding to the percentages then. And like, no, like take an active role. If your shot doesn't go in, do something else yes. or in, and whether it's on defense or in the offensive possession, yeah. you do do not to get away with just saying, well, didn't make shots tonight. No, yes, yes. Win, go win the game a different way. And if that's the, if a player is not doing it in that way, then then get them off the floor and get somebody who's going to find another way. For example, we keep talking about Austin Reeves. Like if his shots not going in, he will find a different way to do something on offense. And I think his defense was better last year than it's been this year. But he will go and try to make a play defensively as well. And like that's that's the type of thing that we're not seeing enough of. And it's just guys kind of like, yeah, well, if, if the shot doesn't go in, then then sorry. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll keep it going. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So there are two conversations happening right now at the same time. There is our eternal theoretical shooting and the the importance of it. And in which my point is, is that the guys that I'm talking about, like the times when they score fewer than 10 points are like, oh, wow, that's very rare for that player to be able to do that. And so when Darius talks about reliability rankings, I think it's a certain conversation about what is a player's floor? And yeah, like, I know you're going to at least bring this on a night to night basis, this element of the game I can depend on and the shooting can come and go. Right. But I know you're going to be able to bring this to the game. Pete, D'Lo has scored in single digits in five of his last eight games. 
I think in all of November, he did that once. Yeah, it was right? one. It was game like once or twice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It it's it's like so lately that idea of like shooting. My whole point is like, look, I agree with Mike to a certain extent. Teams are going to continue to sell out against the paint. My point is though is like if the guys are out there and you're taking these shots, make the shot. This is the shot that's being put available to you. Make the shot. Those groups have been, that's been the underlying basis of a lot of the lineups that have been played so far, right? Is it, ha- it has been a skill guard, two of the smaller wings, and then a four and a five, right? And then yesterday there was no no five at all in, in several of the lineups. And so to your point, it's like, well, look at the results of that. Is this a yes. team that is a middle of the pack three-point shooting team? No, it's actually still very bad at that. So you're not getting the benefit from playing positional positional size that's smaller while when you're fatigued it's that's one of the arguments for playing bigger is that like if you're tired and you're still a bigger team positionally and you will win battles just as a function of that even whereas when you're smaller you have to win as a result of your speed of your athleticism of being quicker to the spot which all involves running right and all of these things that i don't know i've got some thoughts on the fatigue thing too i'll I'll get to it when i get back around go ahead d i've never been good at being tall you know why because i'm not actually tall right but it's just like the people who are tall guess what they are always good at being tall and so like please if you're not going to always be good at shooting, this is like a half and half Warriors house, right? My wife's a big Warriors fan. This has come up on the pod before. And we I can, marvel I can that the step- attest, I can personally attest to her uh, Warriors fandom yes, by yes. sitting behind her at a Warriors game. Very, very impressive yes. dedication to cheering and dancing for the entire game. Respect. <laughs> yes. That's a real fan. It's a- so we marveled at the fact that like Steph's consecutive game streak of three pointers made fell. And it was like it. 260 something straight games where he had hit a three-pointer but that's like four se- almost four seasons worth of mm-hmm. nba basketball games where it's just Incredible. like this dude was guaranteed to make a three not a lot of guys are going to shoot at that level right and so it's like so the up and down nature of shooting is always going to be there but jackson hayes isn't going to walk in tomorrow and be six four right but Delo might go in tomorrow and shoot one for six from three. And so there's a variance in skill and there is no variance in size. There is though an application of size that matters as well. And so I do want to see the big players do more big player things and do them more successfully more often because when they don't do those things, I feel like it gives the coaching staff reason to say, well, if you're not going to hit the glass, if you're not going to protect the paint, if you're not going to run the floor hard or be a physical player on the interior, then we're going to play the darting quick dude that is going to go out there and defend the perimeter. And so there's a push-pull factor, and I don't always think the big players get the benefit of the doubt the way that smaller players do, but it's like the referees. The referees are like, oh, big player, I don't care that you got shoved to the ground, but oh, Damian Lillard, you fell down, like, to the free throw line you go. So big players never get the benefit of the doubt. As Wilt said, no one roots for Goliath. But the point is, though, is like if you got to do a little bit more and you have to show your physicality, then show it if that's what needs to happen for you to get the minutes that I think are the best route for this team to play. Just a a couple of other points. So 
being at the first of the game at Dallas and then the game at Chicago. And I want to kind of set aside the Spurs loss where AD didn't play um, and, you know, Russell didn't play and Reddish didn't play. And that that game was just sort of that one was one of the schedule loss type ones that I sort of just do excuse. Um, and the Dallas and Chicago ones are not, um, you know, heading in with, with not on the back to back like the front end of it. But what happened in both of those games, uh, the role players for both teams were crazy hot from three. And I'm, you know, I'm curious, Darius is waiting on this, Pete. I'm curious what you think about that and how much of it has to do with like the, the lack of pressure. But, you know, it, there were in the Dallas game, right? Grant Williams uh, and Dante Exum were unconscious. And then in the Bulls game, it was like literally everybody except for Kobe White um, and Vucevic, um, who was hitting shots from out there. So let's see. Will, Patrick Williams was three for three. Uh, Vuce was three for five. Caruso was three for four. And DeSumo was four for six. And then Javon Carter hit two also. Um, it took him more shots to get there. And now go now, now just thinking about the Lakers and the Lakers. Yes, they did miss a lot of threes, but they were taking the threes they were taking were the ones the Bulls wanted them to take, where it was Cam Reddish, as you just referred to. Um, I don't know that they wanted Prince to get as many wide open looks as he got, but he didn't hit as many. And throughout all of this time being there, I'm thinking like Anthony Davis is not getting the basketball against a guy that yeah, has man. no chance against him. Yes. None. Vucevic yes. is one of the worst defensive players. The Bulls have basically sucked because <laughs> they traded two lottery picks plus um, Carter for Vooch. And he cannot hold up on that end. He's a nice offensive player, but like he is, it's a layup. And Anthony Davis got 15 total attempts in 38 minutes after yeah. an AD had been killing the yes. last four games. And so he's just sitting there and said, and said, nope, Cam Reddish, the second he gets the ball, shots up. Second he gets the ball and, or, a, or a one <laughs> dribble. And it's just these are the things where, where if you shoot, you should shoot open threes. I get that. But if there is a better, better alternative, then you should do that. Sorry. Go ahead. That was great. Amen. I love excited Mike. Me too. Shout out to Mike. He's in Minnesota right now. The hometown yep. boy is back. A lot of people to see. Carved out some time for us. I'm on the I'm on the 24th floor of a hotel downtown, and I can actually see my the water tower for the town that I grew up in um, out on the on the horizon right oh, now. Wow. I kind of like track the Mississippi River, so I'm looking like right at. Shout out to Orno, looking right at the hometown right now. Thanks very much. My point is big hometown energy. Yeah, no Mike kidding. Right now, right? Yeah, it's, it's just the like, water like, tower is like reflecting yeah. off him. Like I'm about to see my like niece in a little bit here. Superpowers, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the power He's source close is to the power source. Yeah, it's yeah. feeding him. Please, Pete, jump in here. <laughs> Look, I, I was stunned I, at that. I don't like, be trying no. to argue. Don't be trying to argue that I don't bring proper energy in OKC. Like no, a place no, that no, I'm, no, no, Mike. Okay. I'm saying. Right. I'm saying this was LeBron <laughs> IST energy yeah. that you just yeah. brought yeah. right See? there. Right there's there's like I'm another level. Inspired now. Yeah, I'm a little yes, stunned. Right. I gotta. You know, I might have missed my defensive rotation just now, but uh, I'll get into it. I'll I'll, I'll pick it up. Uh, Mike, forgive the 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 topic shift, but the Josh Powell interview has been ringing in my mind ever since we did it. You know, this is something that we've talked about a lot in the text thread of, I feel like player wisdom and their perspective on basketball is underappreciated and underrepresented. And that's why I think things like Reddick's podcast, Draymond's podcast, hearing all those guys kind of speak at length about the game, it's really good for the sport. And one of the things that that again stood out to me was him talking about how hard they practiced and how that was such a foundational part of why they were a good team. And 
you've lived this schedule, this life, like you're in the hotel that the players are in right now. And so you understand the the flow of a season and, and the waves of, of being tired versus not. And you were part of that team too. And the idea to me that the team is, is so tired, it's like, that was only, that was only what, 15 years ago that they were also practicing and practicing hard on top of still doing an 82 game schedule. Right. And I just like, how did it change so much in such a short period of time, I guess is the nature of my question. Well, this is the sports metaphor for life element because a lot of people that are listening to this pod are tired today. You know, they woke up, mm-hmm. maybe it was something with the kids last night. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a travel schedule. Maybe the in-laws are in town and you haven't gotten all the shopping done. There's so many different things you, for me at least. Uh, and I guess, again, as I'm looking at my hometown, I'm not tired when I just decide that I'm not tired. You know, there's, there's a certain element where you just, you just stop and you don't use it as an excuse. And you mentioned the Josh Powell team and, you know, walking into that Laker team, Kobe Bryant wasn't letting anybody be tired that year. That was not an option. That was that team won 65 games. It's just a I think that and I'm not this isn't sort of a indictment on I think on where the Lakers are, because I think that. If you even just look in the standings, like the record only looks worse relative to the rest of the Western Conference Uh, and like because the Lakers were in dire (laughs) They were in dire straits um, at this point of the last two seasons, right? Especially considering the fact that they knew they needed to make a big roster move. And even while losing three in a row, you know, the Lakers are two games over 500. And the the upside way of looking at it is like the, you know, the two seed um, is what, four games uh, ahead of them. And like that, that was not the case last year. They were, they were always a certain amount of games from getting into the play-in mix. So, but they weren't like about to catch Memphis um, higher in the standing. So they went to the Western Conference Finals and it's just, there are a lot of um, acceptable excuses, I think is the way that I would phrase it, as opposed to the ones that are, uh, that are like, this is not good enough, um, especially after winning something, albeit a completely new something that a lot of the NBA didn't really, really uh, realize what it was in the in-season tournament. And I think that I think that this is shifting some um, based on the postgame locker room in Chicago. I The issue, though, is that now the Lakers are, are playing three really good teams. Uh, and this one's a back-to-back against Minnesota. Then it's OKC. And then it's, of course, the Celtics um, on Christmas Day. And I think that they're, the runway for this team to figure it out is going to happen more in January um, when they're going to at least get some consistency of they're in Los Angeles, even if the games are coming every other day and they, they can kind of coalesce around certain lineups. So I think they're getting past the point of the mental excuses, but we might not see it right away um, just based on what these next couple of games are going to be. And, and that's, that's, I don't know if that defeats kind of all of the earlier points that I was making um, or trying, trying to make about where the team is at and where they need to find themselves. Uh, But it's just, they could, they can make steps towards doing that and still lose these next couple of games. Pete, to speak to your question about how did things change? I think the ideas around sports science changed and the ideas of like rest and carrying too heavy of a load and when you should or should not practice. And even the science around having shoot arounds where like the value of sleep 
there's been this over-indexing, not over potentially, but just an indexing of this idea like, well, players need their sleep. And so why are we getting them up for shoot-around the day of a game? Shouldn't we let them sleep, in theory, and then be fresher for the game? I remember Mike talked about Kobe during like the 2008, 2009, 2010 run and the practicing that Josh Powell mentioned in that pod. And if you haven't listened to that pod, please go back and listen to it. I remember Kobe towards the end of his career at post Achilles, and there were plenty of teammates that have gone on record and were just like, Kobe barely practiced. We practiced as a team. That's right. But Kobe barely practiced. And so Lou Williams has this famous story about, and even Julius Randle told this as well. You remember like the softest Charmin stuff that got caught on mm -hmm. video that went viral and Kobe's basically yelling at Mitch Kupchak like, you know, you want these guys to, like, you want me to practice or I'm here at practice. These guys are supposed to make me better. And like, he's basically saying like, they're making me worse. Mm -hmm. These are the dudes. It's like just classic Kobe, like I'm upset rant. And like this is why I love Bean. It's just like he's just after it and competitive all of the time. But I think the Lakers, and this is just my outsider's opinion. I don't know this for, for truth or whatever, but it's just like LeBron's at that stage of his career where he should probably be how Kobe was, where he Absolutely. wasn't practicing very often. There's a point to be made about what is the value of practice if one of your most important players who is critical to the flow of your game and who are you and who you're relying on, it, are you extracting as much value from those practice sessions if that one player isn't likely to practice? And I think there's fair arguments to, to be made on, on both sides, but just acknowledging that there's arguments on both sides, it means that there is a stance to take on that. I'm not asking you where you stand on that, Pete, but if you have an opinion, please chime in I, here. I mean, it's an uneducated one, right? Like I have none of the expertise in the sports science and all of that. It's just a guy who's been a fan for a really long time. Yeah. And I think that there's a certain amount of fatigue that can come from getting used to not doing as much, right? Like one of the things Mike was saying before we got onto the pod that he's like, when they gets to a new town, he's like, man, where can I work out? You know, and yeah. that's part of the reason Mike can keep a freaking insane schedule is he like he keeps the motor high, you know. And so I think that that is and this is not a Lakers specific thing. It's a, a and I don't even think it's an NBA specific thing, but I've just this has been one of the things that's been on my mind as an NBA fan is like I I think that the intention is good and I understand the arguments behind it and getting good sleep and having a longer career. And I, like you rightly pointed out, D like LeBron in year 21 is not Kobe in 2008. It's a different place in a player's career. Yeah. Right. And yeah. like it's it, that he can't be that right now, but it, it, it comes with complications. Go ahead. Close us out, Mike. No, I, I just, this is a, this is a whole topic, right? But I just think that I'll, I'll try not to repeat myself exactly from before, but I think humans are really capable of a lot. Uh, and, you know, Amen. this is where we start to get into, we can pick your issue that's going on in the world uh, right now, right? And certainly I was reading a, a, a feature story on on Gaza, like just the extreme, right, of, of the worst possible case scenario. Uh, and, and then we bring it back to kind of this situation in sports, and it's all relative to what's going on in the other leagues and the NBA itself. But in terms of practicing, like I think teams could practice more and it's just become more of a um, once you set an expectation that like after a game, the next day you're going to get rest. And it's it's tough to then start instituting practicing again. 
Uh, but can within- you but can you see why then the fatigue argument become it it starts to fall on less like yeah, when Gabe Vincent that, said what he said I was like oh thank you that's what I'm that's my that's what I'm saying like I, right. that's what I agree I agree with that mindset of it I agree and forget the Kobe like way after Achilles not practicing later in his career like he was practicing hard against Josh Powell and those guys like when in in that run mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that now LeBron is in a totally different category. Because he's in year 21, he's always taken the absolute best care, uh, care of himself. But like if he's there and not and like the rest of the team, it is difficult to have then the rest of the team practice without such a key player out there. So I just think the Lake, this Lakers team is at a disadvantage, I guess is the way I would put it, in terms of being able to actually get a practice done um, while having LeBron and then AD uh, as as they're like their two vets. So they have to do it a different way. Um, and it's not ideal. And the rest of the players have to sort of take on a different level of of challenge uh, as to as to like how they're pushing themselves. And it's not easy. And, and this is not a satisfying way for me to conclude a podcast without being able to like really dig into that. But mm-hmm. I, I just I just don't see that. I don't see this season. I don't see them being able to get into a schedule like where they're really practicing. Totally get that. It was you more know? of a big picture, Mike. Like and, and, how and things totally, have changed so much, and then and yes. then hearing the fatigue, like oh, like the team's really fatigued. It's like, well, well, isn't that, that why you're not practicing? Or like, and that's yes, and, that, and that's the, the key point. Yes, that's the key point. Is that if if things aren't going to change in terms of like a being ready, and here's the rotations, the guys playing together and practicing, um, then then the, the excuses about it have to go away. You know, uh, and, and that's and that's where they have to get to. One hundred percent, and we'll close it out here. This is where I come back to the point I made at the beginning of the pod, where it comes back to personal responsibility. LeBron's not practicing, AD, whatever. It's just like, those dudes are coming out here and busting the other team's ass, right? And so they're not the dudes where I'm worried about what their effort level is going to look like within the context of their years in the game or anything else. LeBron, whatever, yada, yada, yada. He can take a few possessions off here or there. I honestly do not care. Everyone else needs to take an active role in turning this thing around. It starts tonight in Minnesota. The Lakers need to go out there and get a win for our boy, Mike Trudell, who is in his hometown. Go get the W. This has been the Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. Magic fires, it's good, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left, that next to the winner, it's on the way, good! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Miss it. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tap to Albert Gentry. And it's 
insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.